All right, so let me dive into it. Uh, I'm talking on this subject. Mighty hero, full of fear. A mighty hero, full of fear. I want to just share with you where this message is coming from. There was a guy named Gideon in Judges chapter 6. And he was... Uh, by no means a uh, hero. He was actually scared to death because there were this uh, whole tribe of people that were called the Midianites. And these Midianites were tormenting the people and the tribes that Gideon was a part of, which were the Israelites. So these Midianites were tormenting them. And, the, and they were tormenting them at the the most uh, the, the closest possible way they could i mean they were in their lives tormenting them uh, what they were doing is they would come in and every time the Israelites and Gideon would plant crops, they would come in and just rip the crops up so that they would not have any food to eat. They would sneak into their fields and kill their animals so they wouldn't have any food to eat. They were complete slaves. And so Gideon was hiding um, it, it, the Bible says that he was hiding at the threshing floor, but just so you know, the threshing floor is like this hole, um, a, a shallow hole, kind of like a, a, a pit, if you will. So he was in this hole and he was threshing. And the reason why he was hiding was he didn't want the Midianites to see him threshing and preparing food for his family because obviously they would come in and they would mess everything up and burn it all. And so he's hiding and all of a sudden an angel of God shows up. He just shows up as he's threshing and the angel of the Lord looks at him and says, you mighty hero, the Lord God is with you. Now, Aside from just being blown away to be looking at an angel, I've seen two angels in my life. I saw them in my house in the middle of the night, and it is overwhelming. But I'm not going to chase that. Maybe I'll talk about that another day. It's kind of funny because I just felt the room, the dream team in the room saying, forget your sermon, talk about those two angels. Forget about that. Forget about Gideon. Talk about those angels. Maybe I will at some other time. Um, <laughs> my ADD is so high, I'm tempted. So, um, but but nevertheless, it, Gideon is like overwhelmed, and then all of a sudden he's trying to process the words "mighty hero," "mighty hero." Now. What I love about God, and, and maybe some of you are tuning in to watch this, ser this sermon, just to hear this point. God sees you as you are and who you will be at the exact same time. So he is not in time. So though Gideon is, is acting like a person full of fear, and maybe he's not acting. Maybe he's legitimately full of fear. God sees him as a person who's a mighty hero in that exact same moment. Yeah. 
And so I was thinking this morning, how can I illustrate this? Because only God can do that. And so it's hard for us to grasp an attribute that's divine. And so uh, I'll tell you what we did is, is we found a picture of a sailboat. I've been real into boats lately, so um, you're gonna, uh, I want to show you a, a sailboat. Here's a sailboat, and we can see where the sailboat is at. But we can also see where the sailboat is going. At the exact same time, you're seeing where it's at and where it's going. You're seeing the, the, the environment that it's in is in the water, but it's about to be on some sand. The people in the boat are in a boat on the water, but we can know just by looking at the picture that where they're about to be is on the sand, um, drinking out of a coconut. We can see that at the exact same time. In that same way, but with much more detail, God sees you right now and he also sees you five years from now. He sees where your faith is and he sees where it's going to be. He sees what you're capable of doing now and what you're going to be capable of doing five years from now at the same time. And so the angel who stands in the presence of God looks at Gideon and he sees him as a coward, but he also sees what he's going to be doing and calls him by who he is. And so when the Lord looks at you, he says, that's my daughter. She is a way maker. When she prays, things happen. People get healed. People are set free from depression. And you may be thinking, no, I'm actually depressed. But see, God knows that what you go through and what you overcome gives you power and authority to overcome that same battle for other people. And so what you're going through right now doesn't just get you out of your own funk. It gives you license and authority to help other people get to where they're going. Those of you who uh, have gone through a divorce, that was the hardest time of your entire life possibly. But now that you have gone through it and you're out of it, when you talk to somebody who's going through a divorce right now, you are a person who is able to give wise counsel, wise direction, and to walk them through. Why do you have the credibility to help somebody in a divorce? Because you've been through a divorce. That exact same principle for somebody who's been bankrupt, somebody who's gone through depression, somebody who's been sick, somebody who's been healed. All of these experiences build you up to be the person you're going to be. And when God sees you, he doesn't see you as you are, he sees you as you're going to be. This is my introduction to the message. So let me kind of dive into it before I run out of time. We see in Judges, in the book of Judges, chapter 6, how a person goes from fear to a hero. And there's three things that took place in that chapter. The first thing he did is he tore down altars. The second thing he did is he made a sacrifice. And then God responded to the altars, the sacrifice, by clothing him with power. So I'm going to talk about altars. 
I'm going to talk about sacrifices, and then we're going to look at what happens when the power of God responds to altars and sacrifices. I want you to hear me say that, response. God responds to you. All right, so here we go. Um, The angel looks at Gideon and he says, this is what you need to do. I want you, mighty man, mighty hero, I want you to go tear down the altars that your father built. Now, this is, I, I could almost spend the entire morning just talking about the altars. Because the altar is where things get altered, And so if you come to an altar of God, God alters your life for the better. And things get progressively better because he begins to put his signature on it. But when you go to another altar, things progressively get worse. The altar is any place that arrests your attention. The altar is a sacred place place that you refuse to not give your time, your energy, and your effort to. You are committed to that. And God's saying, I want you to restructure your entire life. I don't want you to be committed to anything else except for me. I don't want you to be consumed with anything else except for me. I don't want you to put your mind's attention on anything else except for me. I want you to be overwhelmed with passion for me and my house. That's what I want. This is a very rare thing, even today in 2020. In James chapter 1, verse 24, it says that many people hear the gospel, hear a preacher, and they forget it as soon as they get done hearing it. Just as a man who looks in a mirror, sees his own reflection, and forgets what he saw. The Bible was written, James wrote that over 2,000 years ago. He was looking around at people that were listening to a preacher, appreciating what was being said, in the moment, but as soon as they walked off, they forgot everything they heard. It never went into their heart. It never took root in their heart. And it never brought fruit. It never changed their world. They heard it. They appreciated it. Hey, this guy's funny. And then they forgot everything. 2,000 years later, that's still happening. And so when the angel looked at Gideon and said, I want you to tear down the altars, he was saying, all the things that you think were fantastic in your life, all the things that you built your security on, I want you to just push it all back, tear it all down, start with a clean slate with me, tear it all down. I want your life to be like a clean canvas, just you and I. See, it takes a pure faith to praise God for something that he has never done than to look to him for the things that you have already enjoyed. Let me say, I want that to sink in. It takes a pure faith 
to praise him for something that he's never done for you than for those that we have already enjoyed. See, when I was a, a teenager growing up, I remember showing up to church and just the kids sitting on the back row. And every once in a while, the service would be out of the ordinary. And, and meaning it was always good, but every once in a while, it would be phenomenal. And now that I'm a pastor, I, was, I can think back on those days and, man, God, I want, I want those kind of services. I want those kind of experiences. I, I want to experience that again. And if I hang on to that principle that I said earlier, it's a pure faith to praise him for something that I've never experienced. It's a pure faith to praise him for something that he's never done. Let me just share with you that if God has done great things in your life, to mourn and to say, I wish I had that back. I wish I had him back. I wish I had her back. Yeah, let's come straight to your front door on this one. I wish I had her back. I wish I had him back. I wish I had that job back. I wish I had that bank account balance back. I wish I had the good old days back. And, and sometimes we work so hard to get our business back where it used to be. To get our bank account back where it used to be. And God's looking at you and he's looking at me and he's saying, it takes a pure faith to praise me for something that you've never experienced than for those you have already enjoyed. So get rid of the altar. Get rid of all these false gods, these false foundations of security. Get rid of it all. You know, right now this thought is coming to me. It's in uh, Psalms chapter 42, verse 7, where it says that the deep calls unto the deep. A person who gets rid of the past altars and comes before God with a desperate heart. The, the people that say, I'm going to believe God for something I have never experienced. The people who say that, what they are saying in other words is there is something out there and I don't know what it is. But it is, it is wonderful and it is amazing. And from the core of what, of who I am, I want it. I gotta have it. I can't breathe without it. And I'm not willing to live my life. I'm not willing to live my life in this current state. Whatever God has out there, even though I have no idea what it looks like. Whatever that deep calling is, is what I want. Uh, I'm thinking, I believe it's in Philippians 3.12. I think it's in Philippians 3.12. But the verse sounds like this. Oh, that I may apprehend that which has apprehended me. Apprehend means to grab. And so what he's saying in the scriptures, what Paul is saying is something has grabbed my heart. And I want to grab what has grabbed me. Something has a hold, something has taken a hold of me. 
God, you have taken a hold of me. I can't go a whole minute without thinking about you. I can't go an hour without thinking about you. I can't go a day without thinking about you. You have taken a hold of me. You have apprehended me. I want to take a hold of you. You know when I sit down. You know when I stand up. You know what I'm thinking. I want to know when you sit down. I want to know when you stand up. And I want to know what you're thinking. This is what happens when you tear down altars. Where you back up and say, all the things that used to be important to me, they're rubbish in comparison to what I want and what I desire. So that was the first step. The second step is sacrifices. Sacrifices, the, the, the angel came to Gideon and he said, I want you to make a sacrifice and, and, and sacrifice a bull. Take one of your bulls and sacrifice it. And I was thinking about this while I was preparing this message and I just thought to myself, oh my goodness, what a massive sacrifice that angel was asking for. Because Gideon could have said back to the angel, this bull is how I feed my family. Don't you see what's happening around me? Don't you see that my food is being burnt? My animals are being killed? Don't you see what's going on around me? And I feel like sometimes us Christians say the exact same thing to God sometimes. We say, don't you see? See what's happening to me? Don't you see that my world has been a lonely place for years and I'm tired of it? Don't you see that I'm tired of sleeping in a bed by myself, in an apartment by myself? Don't you see how tired, and this is for the, from the Lord for someone. Don't you see that I'm tired of being in a home by myself? That the silence is killing me? Don't you see that these problems that I'm having are overwhelming? See, this is what Gideon could have said to that angel. You are asking me to sacrifice a bull when I don't have any food at all? You're asking for the only food that I have to feed my family. You're asking me to give it to you. Let's always remember this. Sacrifice requires the flesh to burn. If your flesh is not burning, it's not a sacrifice. It may be a gift, but it's not a sacrifice. Do you understand what I mean? When, when I give the Lord an offering, if I put a dollar in the offering plate, if I give, that's a gift. It's not making my flesh go, stop, think about this. I don't want, that thought doesn't come to my mind when I give a dollar to God. Then there's sacrifices that are not financial. For example, sometimes when I'm praying, a thought will come to my mind about somebody that I need to go apologize to. And my flesh will burn. Absolutely not. Did you see what happened? I don't like apologizing to idiots. If I have to be completely honest, I don't mind apologizing to people with a brain. But people that are stupid, I hate apologizing to those people. And some of you are looking at me like, oh my goodness, you're a pastor? 
I'm one of the honest ones, okay? I'm one of the honest ones. But apologizing is, is a standard that God has held me to. Some people can worship God and be a Christian and not give the apology that they should give easily. They can do that. And I'm, I just can't. Last Sunday morning on the way to church, um, I was talking to my son who's 12 and I was yelling at him, yelling at him. And um, I had to come home Sunday afternoon and look at him and say, Luke, as a dad, I completely failed. Like, I want to be the greatest dad in the whole world, but I failed as a dad. You didn't, you didn't do anything wrong. I was in a bad mood. I was ticked. My short, my fuse was short. Luke, I failed as a dad in that moment, and I want you to forgive me. These things, to say an apology like that, before I do it, my flesh is saying, just give a light one. Hey, Luke, sorry. We got that out of the way. But to bear down and give an authentic, I, in that moment, was not a good dad. And I'm very sorry for that. That's when your flesh begins to burn. There's some times where I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like it. Or I'm too busy to pray. And I think to myself, Frankie, is there anything that you will do today more important than praying? Is there anything at all that's more important? And so these sacrifices cause something to happen in Gideon's life that he could not orchestrate. See, what happened after he tore down the altars, what happened after he made the sacrifice is that God, the Bible says, clothed him with power. So often we want God to clothe us with power, but we don't want to tear down any altars. We don't want to change our life. And we certainly don't want to make any sacrifices. And what I hear a lot of times is, it's not like I'm not going to go to heaven. It's not like God's going to send me to hell if I don't make these sacrifices. No, you're exactly right. In most cases, if you have a relationship with God, but you refuse to tear down certain altars and make him a priority, if you refuse to not make certain sacrifices and you have a relationship with him, your argument may stand. I don't know your personal life. I don't know your personal walk with God. I'm not the one who puts people in heaven or people in hell, but you're making a good point. You could probably still get to heaven, but I'm not talking about getting to heaven. I'm talking about whether or not the power of God will be draped upon you, clothed upon you while you're here on earth. That's what I'm talking about. And so he, 
He made the adjustments. He burnt down the altars. And when he burnt down those altars, everyone in the community got so angry with him. They were so mad. You don't change our life. You don't adjust our life. We've been doing this for generations. Who do you think you are? He was made them all uncomfortable because tearing down altars makes people uncomfortable. And so all of a sudden he was clothed with power. Do you know what the result was? All of a sudden these enemies stood up next to him and became allies. The people that fought against him started fighting with him. Let's always remember this. The power of God on your life changes everything. Everything. He used to have a steak knife as his weapon. That's the only weapon he had was a steak knife. And then all of a sudden, all of his enemies become allies and they show up with bows, arrows, and spears and says, who shall we fight and when shall we fight and how shall we fight? Gideon, you are our leader. Changed everything. Everything. See, this is, Gideon was in a place, I want to show you a quick picture. It's, it's the, um, the intertropical um, uh, um, doldrum that runs across the globe. Let me show you a picture of it. Do you see, if I had a laser, I would show you, but it's a line that runs from east to west that goes across, and it's, it's, it looks like clouds that goes across from east to west. It's, a, it's, the, the, um, uh, it's, it's called the doldrums. If you are, have a sailboat in the doldrums, the, the wind is canceled out. It's canceled out right there. People have sailors in, in ancient days that didn't have an engine on their sailboat. All they had was sails. If they get their boat caught in the doldrums, many have lost their lives because there's no wind. Your boat just sits there. It just sits there and it runs all the way across the, the, the somebody help me, what's that? The um, equator. It runs all the way across the equator. It's called the doldrums. Nothing is moving. There's no wind. No wind. The, the northeast wind and the southeast wind cancels it out. There's no wind. Nothing good is happening. And when you find yourself in the doldrums, the question is, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Gideon backed up and said, I'm going to tear down my altars. I'm going to tear down the way I have always thought. See, if, if you're an adult, you have a, a lens that you look at life with. And I want to challenge that. I want to challenge that lens. To say, God, I'm rebuilding my whole life with you in the center. I want to say this for those of you who have hit the brakes in your life because of COVID-19. Let me just say what no one else is saying. COVID is not going anywhere for a long time. So the way you have hit the brakes in your life, do you plan on keeping your foot on the brake until COVID goes away? Because the professionals, the geniuses, the scientists, the doctors, 
saying, this is the new normal for about another year. I had someone ask me recently, so what are you going to do as a pastor? Are you not going to have church until COVID goes away? Are you going to start and stop every time the spike goes up and goes down? Are you going to start and stop? Is that what you're going to do? Man, I had to take about three or four days to figure that one out. And I decided, look, if COVID is the new normal, then I'm going back to my new normal. My new normal is to do what I've always done, worship and praise him and expect good things in spite of the season. I don't like the season, but it doesn't mean I'm going to change what I'm doing. All right, I'm not going to preach another message. I'll save that one for next week. I love you all so much. I love you. I'm praying for you. And I'll see you on August the 2nd. Be blessed in the name of the Lord. In Jesus' name.